Look How Sane and Linear We Are Being is a Homestuck fan analysis podcast and is not affiliated with Andrew Hussey, Viz Media, What Pumpkin Studios, or any of Homestuck's official entities. Please remember to support the release of its books and merchandise whenever possible. Feel free to read along with us. If you have epilepsy or any other light-sensitive disabilities or disorders, we suggest you stick to the audio. This show is not safe for work, and if you're a minor, we ask that you wait to listen until you're old enough to vote for our clown juggalo overlords. It's time to go to hell. Hi, welcome to Look How Sane and Linear We Are Being, a Homestuck fan cast in the year of our Lord, 2018. I'm Elizabeth. And despite her efforts to quiet me, I am also Elizabeth. Yeah, despite the time that has elapsed between recordings, unfortunately we are both still Elizabeth. I was wondering if that would change in in that time. It hasn't. It didn't change, but I guess for the hour that we have together right now, you can call me Lizzie. Alright, that works. This is the first time we've recorded since we've launched the podcast. Yeah, it's it's been a bit, which is pretty exciting, especially since we now have listeners and people who are talking about the podcast, and we'd actually like to take a minute right at the beginning here and thank a couple of you. We've we've actually had a couple of people at us on Twitter already. We have at Laura Vera, who did a really good podcast rack for us, which was very nice of them. We also have at Bone Sapphic, who also wrote a very nice thing for us on Twitter. Both of you, thank you. And I was very speechless when people were talking about us on Twitter. We're known. We're famous. I I wouldn't say famous. I would. I just did. People are talking about us, and that's what that means, right? I've never been famous before, so... Elizabeth, there was two people. (laughs) But no, we love those two people. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, Speaking of people who were talking about us, the podcast Zenkai Boost also did a very good boost of us in their most recent episode. I don't know if I've said this before, but my brother is actually one of the hosts on Zenkai Boost. They are a Dragon Ball Z fan cast. They're doing something kind of similar to us. So I guess it runs in the family. If you are listening to this and you are a fan of Dragon Ball Z, go listen to their podcast. Yeah, it's very good. I get sent to hell whenever I hear it because I have to listen to my brother make 69 jokes. To be fair, that's probably works the other way around, too, with our podcast, so... (laughs) Sorry, Max! (laughs) Anyway, so we started reading Act 2 today. Mm Mm-hmm, we're just, we're moving right along. We're now one-fifth of the way through Homesuck. That's not how that works. I know that's not how that works. That is absolutely not how it works. I'd say we're maybe about 10%. I don't even know if it's 10% through Homestuck. It's a very long comic, Elizabeth. And I thought you knew that going in. It's about 8,000 pages. That is a lot of pages, yes. It's a lot of content that we have to read. And I actually did the math and the rate we're going at, we're probably going to have about like a little more than 100 episodes of this podcast reading Homestuck, which is a little ridiculous. Well, lots of content for us to make, lots of content for people to consume, and it's going to be great. As it was when we read this next section of Homestuck, which was also great. Mm Mm-hmm. Elizabeth did let me know that she did go back and read a bunch of Act 1 on her off time. So I think you really like Homestuck, which frightens me terribly. Okay, a couple things. When you say a bunch, I... I did read all of it again, first of all. 
Oh! And second of all, I am a big re-reader, re-watcher of things, so this isn't really a, a big deal for me. It helps me remember it. Hold on, Elizabeth. I'm on the uh, I'm on the 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 Homestuck merch site. I need to know what your shirt okay. size is because it sounds like you're a big old Homestuck fan. No, that's going a little that's going a little far. I just wanted to make sure I remembered everything that happened in Act One. Believe me, it was a sacrifice. I bet it was a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what did you think of Act 2 so far? It is different from Act 1. I said at one point that I had no idea what was coming next, and I was right. I had no idea what was coming next. I didn't like this section as much as the previous two. I will say that. It's taken a turn but there are still portions that were interesting and maybe verging on good, if not actually good. I, I want to, I, I guess, warn the audience that Elizabeth's character ranking of the characters that she likes has changed. And it's breaking news. I'm a little frightened by the change that has happened. Elizabeth, do you want to fill us in on this thing, th this change of heart you've had? Yes, okay. First of all, do not at me. Uh, I am valid. Oh, please at her. Please at her. I would love that. I am. I am valid. Rose said some questionable things this particular section and she has slipped a little from my favor I must say. I was gonna say she's still up there but to be fair there's only like three characters so far so there really isn't far to go. Now now Elizabeth you're yeah you're you're kind of overshadowing the thing that happened during this reading and that is the fact that I'm pretty sure Dave is your favorite character. I wouldn't go that far. I, he currently, I don't think he is necessarily my absolute favorite character currently, but he just has the vibe that makes me think, oh no, I'm going to really love him at some point. And so, like, in preparation for that... I, I I appreciate him. No, I, I would say that some point is now, Elizabeth, because when we, when we were reading Homestuck, I read the raps out loud to you, and there were a lot of times where you were delighted. I was a little bit delighted by the raps. They were actually pretty good raps, aside from the vaguely racist parts, but like... Rose was, like, outright racist this this reading session, so, like, on the scale of racism, I guess? Rose said some very questionable things about ethnic weddings. Yeah! Yeah, she's not as... she's not as valid anymore in Elizabeth's heart. Or in my heart! I, for, I completely forgot she said all of that, but in my defense, she, I haven't read this in years. And she posted that online. It's going to be one of those things where, like, she looks back at it in five years and goes, oh, God, I can't believe I said that. That's terrible. You know, that's that's my hope. Growth is my hope for all of them, really, but especially Rose in that in that particular vein of things. That's the problem with being 13 online is that you'll say something and you won't know the consequences of saying that yet because you are, in fact, 13. And then you'll have to live with the fact that you said that and you were, you were kind of a shithead when you were 13. Uh, it's guilt. I, I hope there's guilt there, but I don't know if Rose goes back specifically and feels guilty about this one line, but at least not in canon, but... I, I think if Rose were a real-life person, she would go back and read this as an 18-year-old and go, oh man. Not to get too real here for just a second, but like when you aren't part of a marginalized group at 13, you can say some pretty shitty things. 
and then you can learn better as you get older and then recognize that they were pretty shitty things to say. Oh yeah, because when when you're 13, you don't you're not like fully aware of people outside of your immediate family circle. So sometimes you just straight up don't know what's a shitty thing to say. Mm-hmm. Or why it's a shitty thing to say it. And I mean, like, obviously don't go after 13-year-olds saying shitty things, but, you know, just very gently let them know <laughs> that that is not a great thing to say. They might not know, and then they have to learn better, and then they will no longer say shitty things. Hopefully. Yeah. And there's always the question of, well, technically, Rose is not a real person and all of that, but we have been over that pretty extensively with the whole death of the author question. But, you know, thought we'd get the discourse portion of the podcast out of the way early this time, apparently. Yeah. Well, I mean, we we always have some kind of, like, weird rant about Homestuck, which is fair because... Again, there's a lot of really good things about Homestuck, and then there's, like, a lot of really bad things about Homestuck, which is, I guess, why we're doing this podcast and why I'm showing you this. Absolutely. This is just an excuse for us to marvel over the the little, what would you call them, diamonds in the rough, and then just absolutely take apart pretty much everything else. It's like something I used to say when I was a kid when I would eat ice cream with like really good chocolate chips in them, but the ice cream wasn't very good. You're digging for treasure and you're eating the dirt. <gasps> That's, did you, you just came up with that when you were a kid? When I was little, I would say that like all the time. It pissed off my brother so much he hated it whenever I said it. That's incredible. But really, that's a very good metaphor. It's just like, sometimes it feels like that's all of media consumption. And any of you who, especially who follow my blog, know that I'm always neck deep in that digging for treasure and eating the dirt kind of mindset unrelated to any discourse that's been going on my blog lately. People, I'm a critical analyzer of all media, including and now especially Homestuck, so you should expect that from me. I, I mean, we just talked about him, but we know who Turn Tech Godhead is, and it's Dave Strider. It sure is. We've officially met Dave, and here he is now. I can say his name, you can say his name. It's very exciting. We now know three out of the four pester chums. I did, when, when, I was, when I was going back and editing one of the previous episodes, I did realize that I said Dave's name out loud. I don't think you even fucking noticed. Yeah, I don't I I don't think so. And there is sort of a divide on some things I genuinely don't know. Some things I'm like, I'm pretty sure. I know. So it's kind of a toss-up when you're keeping spoilers or anything from me, whether I actually know or whether I genuinely have no clue where things are going or what people are named or what's going on. So I may have just not noticed. Oh, I do want to bring up before we get too deep into day. Oh, I don't want to say it like that. <laughs> God. <laughs> Rewind. Start again. I don't want to say it like that. Before we get too deep into Dave, I don't want to say that. Before we get too deep into our analysis of my opinion of Dave's character. Yeah, okay, so before we get too deep into the analysis of Dave's character, or I do want to say that somebody on Tumblr did tell us an interesting fact about Dave Strider. Uh, this was Laura Vera 2 on Tumblr, which I guess is the same as Laura Vera on Twitter. Thanks, Laura. <laughs> but Laura Vera on Tumblr told us that basically confirmed that all of the names in, at least for the humans, were fan-submitted names. They said that John's was a submitted name. Uh, Hussey took suggestions by looking at all of the submissions he got for the characters with four-letter first names, and then he chose them in order of the character's intro. So the third character to be introduced actually had Chad Buskin as his third submission. <laughs> so... There's an alternate universe where Andrew Hussey named Dave Strider 
Chad Buskin. And let's all just take a moment to thank everything, the universe, God, that he's Dave Strider and not Chad Buskin, because I don't think I could handle anything if his name was Chad. No offense to any Chads out there, but what are you doing? Oh, I'm sorry, full offense to every Chad out there. (laughs) Full offense. Yeah, no, I think if Dave was named Chad, that would automatically take him a couple pegs down on my ranking. Uh, Just saying that. So what what do you think of not Chad Dave Strider? I think that he's a very, I mean, I think all three of them are very typical 13-year-olds. I think that, this is funny, but he reminds me a little of my brother, honestly, because my brother, as you all know, is in music, since he, he, he wrote earthly music. He had that same cool vibe, except probably, I think, with more charisma than Dave has I love you, Dave, but it's it's clearly a front. I also find interesting the way Dave interacts with his different friends. I was actually a little surprised in a good way to read his pester logs with, with Rose and with Gigi that he almost seems to be the most emotionally intelligent of the three we've met so far in a way that he modifies a little bit how he talks to his different friends to, to sort of match them. John and Rose seem a little bit more not flat necessarily, but they all sort of talk in the same way, but um, Dave seems to alter his discourse style with each person he's talking to. I think what's interesting about Dave and you'll see this as more characters get introduced. Dave seems to have like a really good speaking chemistry with pretty much everybody in the cast. It's kind of amazing how he does that. I, again, I guess he just has the he has a really good like emotional intelligence to be able to do that. Obviously, Dave isn't real. I have to I have to say that, but I'm just saying the way he's written. He bounces off of pretty much anyone who he's talking to. We can especially see that since we can now see the other side of at least one conversation he has with John, the first pester log we ever read, the the apple juice <laughs> conversation. He In that first pester log, from John's perspective, Dave seemed a little shitty, I think, but he isn't. He was just excited to tell John that I, he found a bottle of apple juice. I know! It's, it's really funny seeing all of Dave's conversations with John's recontextualize in Dave's point of view because there's a paragraph of text before every pester log where he's like, man, I can't wait to tell John about, oh man, I gotta, I gotta tell John happy birthday. And he's like, they're genuinely really good friends. But if you're just looking at it from John's, like John, I don't think John gets how much Dave is sticking his neck out for him. I think the difference is that Dave is very aware of every interaction he is in, which again is links back to his sort of surprising emotional intelligence. Like he can be read, especially I think in this beginning section, as very unintelligent, obsessed with appearances, but they all are. It's it's sort of part of the way they're written. They're 13. They're 13, first of all. And second of all, they're all centered around these specific interests they have. That's the whole thing with their introduction paragraphs. But Dave takes the time to think about what he's going to say to these different people. He gives advice on talking to the people he knows. He genuinely seems to know what he's doing in terms of social interaction more than John or Rose, since John is sort of bumbling his way through and seems to be saying sort of whatever comes into his mind, which is how Dave can come off at first. And then Rose is, of course, overly precise and pretentious, and I think I think Dave is neither of those things. Oh god, he is my favorite character. Shit. Yeah, he might be your favorite character. I think my favorite interaction that Dave had was with Gigi, which, by the way, Gigi did not die in a meteor. 
I think that was my favorite conversation because Dave is extremely, he's still extremely sarcastic during this conversation with Gigi, but he's, he's almost like softer. Mm-hmm. They're, they're kind of like meeting in the middle because Gigi is absolutely giving into this cool guy persona, but almost sarcastically. Oh, as I'm, as I'm scrolling through this, we'll get back to that in a minute. But one of my favorite bits of the whole section we read was the, whole, the bit where in the quote-unquote present, Dave saying that his copy of the Spur Beta was gone and he said he didn't want to talk about it. And then us going back and seeing the whole sequence of what spilling apple juice on the game and then hanging it up to dry and then realizing that, oh, I don't want it to blow out the window. And so turning the fan off and then like the bird coming in and grabbing the games. And <laughs> I'm just staring at panel or page 356 right now. With Dave just with his hands over his mouth. And the only text is, no one can ever know about this. Oh my god, the the expressions in this specific batch were really good. It was so good. That was, that was very good. Okay, so after an extended period of searching, we have found Dave's conversation with Gigi. It's on page 382. Their dynamic is really good. It's really sweet. You know, Rose is the person who calls a both John and Dave out on their bullshit a little bit, but Gigi takes a very different tack and just goes along with it. And you wouldn't think that would work, but it does. And then that sort of gives them an opening to to just talk without feeling, I don't want to say attacked, because I don't think Rose calling them out is a bad thing, but... They're like joking with each other and Gigi has managed to agree that Dave is cool while still suddenly Dave and Gigi seem to both be acknowledging that like Dave isn't actually cool. But as long as they both say he's cool, it's fine. You know, everyone has different types of friends. Yeah. You know, there's the friends that you can like tell like pretty much anything to whatever you can be like totally honest with them. And then there's like, there's some friends that you have that you're like, I have a specific image that I put out into the public and me and this other friend both know that it's pretty much an image because we are really good friends. But instead of trying to have an existential crisis every time we speak to each other, we're just going to keep in this comfort zone because I talk to this friend for comfort and not for trying to break down my own personality. Exactly. And the thing is... Gigi is clearly that person for Dave, but I get the sense that it's a little bit the other way around, too. Dave is a safe person to talk to. This is the most we've seen from Gigi so far, since we didn't see much of them when they were talking to John. It was just like the, hey, happy birthday. So we get a little bit more insight into them and just a regular conversation and Dave is relating to them, talking about his experience, and they're talking about how they both, their relationships with John. Like, Dave set, tells Gigi to say, to say hi to their granddad for him. It's weirdly calm. Yeah. It's like a very calm moment that they both get to have. And Dave says something in this pesterlog that is something that he would never say to John or Rose. There's a point where Gigi is saying, John will not open his present, he's going to lose it, with a lot of exclamation points. And then Dave goes, oh, uh, sorry to hear that? And he, he's, he, he, there's no way he would have said that to any of the other people we've met so far. This is mind-boggling. He, he's a little confused, which is fine because it's a little confusing what Gigi is saying and then what they continue to say, but he seems genuine. I think they're upset and so I'm going to I'm going to express that I'm sorry to hear that. Like, it's just a genuine healthy interaction. <laughs> Honestly, it, it's good. I do want to hear you try to explain and or just speak about 
Gigi's, what, like, the thing that Gigi is talking about in this pesterlog. Because when we read this, you came out of it and was like, is Gigi psychic? <laughs> so what, what is up with that? Yeah, so Gigi maybe can predict the future. Maybe. The whole... No, it's good, actually, because he will find it again later when he really needs it, which is, of course, why I sent it in the first place. It's just taken as, yeah, that's how Gigi is. Like, the uh, Dave says, see, like, I never get how you know these things. And Gigi says, I don't know. I just know that I know. Like, this isn't the first time this has happened. Gigi just can, like, predict the future. And we know that actually came to pass. We saw the Suburb game and and Gigi's package in the car tumble off of the ledge and into the abyss. So we know that actually happens, which makes me think that this isn't just bullshit. It's like, Gigi, this is something that's actually real. And now I'm very interested in what... Gigi sent to John. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Hey, what do you what do you think is in the box? I I wanna I wanna hear your theories. What's in the box? I have no idea what's in the box. Honestly. What's in the box? <laughs> I have no idea. What's in the box? It could be literally anything at this point. Poor John, he got one birthday present, one very nice birthday present from Dave. And then Rose didn't send him a birthday present or something because it no, wasn't... No, that is not what Rose said. Rose said that she was working on a birthday present, but didn't get it to him in time. Yes. What What do you think Rose got him? What do you think Rose got him? I want to hear. She definitely knitted him something because as a knitter myself, you have no idea how many times when I'm like, so I did make you something. But it isn't done yet. But I promise it will be someday. Then it's a toss-up of whether it actually gets done. I think I'm still working on a patchwork blanket that I was making for my mom that I started when I was like 10. (laughs) It's definitely, she's definitely knitting him something. Yeah, hopefully not a sweater. Yeah, no, hopefully not. Also, come on, Rose... Wish John a happy birthday. I get that you're very pretentious, and I understand, and it's fine. But, like, wish your friend a happy birthday. Please. He's been through a lot today. It was really funny how at first you were you were so into Rose because you were like, she reminds me of me when I was little. And now I'm seeing that as, like, a, a bad thing. Yeah. Because now it's like... <laughs> Oh no, it's me when I was little. Fuck. <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. I'm like, oh, oh, yay, that's me. Oh, oh. Mm. Oh no, that's me. <laughs> I can see all her flaws perfectly. Do you remember the flash game you got to play for this one? Yes, was that the one where I could control John as he, like, explored the house? Where you walked around the house? Yes. How'd you like that? It was an interesting deviation from the normal webcomic experience. Yeah, that's Homestuck. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. That's not going to be the last walk-around page you see. I remember when I when I was a Homestuck fan and Homestuck was updating, there was a really big, there was like a three-part walk-around update. Oh, wow. It, it had better graphics because it was like later on in the story. Or not better graphics, I guess different because uh, Hussey was trying to do like a very different feel. But it, it's, it's such a fun thing to just have in the middle of this comic. And there was this part where we had to actually click through to a different page because now that Homestuck is on a Viz Media sponsored site. They also have a version where you don't play it, but you just like read through the pages like Homestuck. And I don't think that would be as great. But we didn't do that part. I had her do the full Homestuck experience. Full Homestuck. The full Homestuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was, that was interesting. I think it really just goes back to sort of how Homestuck is. I wouldn't even say multi, I mean, it obviously is multimedia, but to to use sort of a homestuck type term, multimodal, 
I think is a better word for it, because webcomics are, I would say, sort of inherently multimedia, with text and, and pictures, and then sometimes music. This is multimodal, and all of the interactive aspects of Homestuck, I would say, are also multimodal, which is maybe what sort of sets it apart from... Uh, I, I haven't read a lot of webcomics, I haven't, especially not when Homestuck was out, but I've heard people talk about how it was sort of, it sort of started a new, a new version of media. It sort of changed, especially online media in some ways, and I feel like that multimodal aspect is, is part of that. That's where it's different. Uh, now, Elizabeth, I, I have to stop you right there for a second, because I'm not a graduate linguist. Uh-huh. What the fuck do you mean by modal? Okay, I mean, modal is, I would just say, more than one way of interactivity or analysis, whereas multimedia is like, what form? Full stop. Is it text? Is it pictures? Is it sound? Is it video? Which we already know that Homestuck is. But multimodal, as I would define it, is like, within that, how does it interact with the user and it goes i think a little beyond style it's more like oh there are these pester logs oh there are these interactive it's all in the same form of the webcomic homestuck in all of its facets but it's a little different it's it's in, in the way the user can interact with it and the way it's consumed Okay, that makes more sense. Because when you say modal, I think modal the fabric. No, <laughs> I was thinking like modes, like the different Solidex modi. Oh, speaking of modi, that's a that's a good-ass transition you just gave me on a silver little platter. Mm-mm. Oh, thank you. What do you think of Dave's modus? I love it. Okay, I love the different Solidex modi. So in the time since we last recorded, I've gotten quite far into this semester of grad school, and I'm taking a lot of computational courses, and Lizzie can corroborate this. I have sometimes messaged her delighted, saying, oh my gosh, this is like an actual thing, these different modi, or these different I am not exaggerating when I say that the different, trying to understand the different Solidex modi has helped me in graduate school. Yeah, Elizabeth messages me at least once a week with something her professor said that is distinctly homestuck. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I could probably, for my digital humanities course if I wanted, I could probably, like, write a paper on why homestuck is indicative of the nature of digital humanities as a field, but that's beside the point. I don't want to get all too too academic on y'all, but every time a new Solidex modus is introduced, I get so excited. And especially Dave's, as a computational person and a linguist, the concept of a, a Solidex that uses different values for like consonants and vowels and then uses that in like a computational way to capture log whatever stuff. I was just delighted by both the computational side and the linguistic side of Dave's Solidex modus. Well, Elizabeth, I'm really glad that you like that you like every time we introduce a new modus because I mean when when we all get to when we get to act 5, you're going to get 12 of them. Fantastic. Be on the lookout for that. Although during Gigi and Dave's conversation, Dave asked about their modus and then immediately said, wait, no, don't tell me. Every time we talk about your modus, it gives me a migraine. So I just, you know, be prepared for that. Oh, yeah. I like Rose's and, and Dave's so far. Um, we'll see about Gigi's and the 12 others, apparently. I'm sure by the time all of them are introduced, I will have a better ranking for them than I have for the characters themselves. 
Also, John's John's modus changes very dramatically within the next couple of arcs. Oh, there you go. I mean, I said arcs, I meant acts. <laughs> arcs, acts, same difference. Those. No, he just he just seems to collect different Silidex modi. Or as Dave would say, moduses. Modus motocities. Mo, mo, <laughs> All right, everybody, and now it's time for our mid-podcast break. It's the mini-game portion of the podcast, and it's with me, Elizabeth, Lizzie, and Elizabeth, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, Elizabeth, that's me. I'm the one who plays the mini-games, and Lizzie's the one who subjects me to them. Yeah, Elizabeth, I have dropped the link to the randomizer in Discord for you. Do you want to... I'll just go ahead and remind everyone of, of the mini games we have to pick from so far. There's image description, music appreciation, true or false, hussies fixations, and troll jeopardy. So far in the episodes of Act 1, I played music appreciation, hussies fixations, and then image description last episode, which sent me into hysterical laughter as I remember it, so... We'll see what today's minigame holds. Yeah, we're gonna have to see how this one shakes out on us. Elizabeth, do you want to go ahead and decide your fate? Yeah, let's see. Spinning the wheel. And today's minigame is... <gasps> Ooh, got a new one. Troll Jeopardy. All right! Yes! Okay, 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 okay. This one's my favorite. This one is my favorite. Yes, in case you all can't remember from the first episode, I did say that the only thing I knew about Homestuck was the trolls. So maybe this is one that I can actually win. Oh, we'll see about that. Actually, Troll Jeopardy is the only minigame you have the chance to win real-life prizes in. Real-life prizes? Yeah, so what Troll Jeopardy is, it's, it's Jeopardy for Homestucks. If you get a question on Troll Jeopardy correct, you get to pick another one up onto the board, and basically Troll Jeopardy only ends when you get a question wrong. Ah! So let me pull up the Troll Jeopardy board for you. Oh yes, please do. Oh god! So Elizabeth, I have the Troll Jeopardy board up for you. Do you want to go ahead and tell the audience what it looks like? I will also post this on Twitter for you guys so that you can see it. Yeah, so there are six categories, each with the values of 200 400 600 800 and $1,000. Those categories are creatures, beyond homestuck, product placement, words that start with A, troll call, and, of course, Vriska. Vriska. Anyway, so Elizabeth, uh, this plays pretty much exactly like Jeopardy. I hope you know what the hell Jeopardy is. I do. Yeah, you can just pick them. Okay, um, I'll pick a category and I have to, I just have to start with Vriska. I have to for, I guess, 200? So, alright, that's going to be Vriska for 200. John Edbert isn't the only character with an unhealthy fixation on this Hollywood actor. Oh, who is Nicolas Cage? That's actually correct! <laughs> there you go! Oh my gosh! <laughs> As you will see later, Vriska does also have an unhealthy fixation with Nicolas Cage. That's unfortunate. Well, Elizabeth, you got that question right, so you can go on to another question if you'd like. Oh, Gosh, well, sure, why not? How about words that start with A? Words would start with A for 200. This word is to leave quickly without detection. One of Homestuck's most popular words. Oh, I know this one. What is abscond? That's correct, Elizabeth. You could pick another category if you want. Oh my gosh. I'm knocking it out of the park. I'll lay, how about troll call for 200? Troll call for 200? This troll has been pardoned of all crimes by an ironic portion of the fandom. Who is Riska? That's correct, Elizabeth! You can go ahead and pick another category! You know what? How about I do troll call again for 400? Alright, I, I do want to say the tell the audience, 
some of these questions, Elizabeth might know the answer to, and it's because she has been on the internet. Sometimes you'll get homestuck spoilers, so she might know some of these answers. It's not my fault. Yes, just through, it's through osmosis more than intentional spoiling by myself or anyone else. Troll call for 400. This troll has an all-caps typing quirk and a bit of a temper. Who is Carcot? That's actually correct! Good job, Elizabeth! <laughs> you know who Carcat is! Yay! Yeah, I do know a bit about the typing quirks, so that's on me. Yeah, uh, you can go ahead and pick another category still. You're on a roll. I am! This is the best I've ever done in a minigame. How about product placement for 200? Many people claim Homestuck falls into the category of this type of animation. Uh, what is anime? <laughs> Elizabeth, that's actually really fucking correct! <laughs> you can pick another category! <laughs> I can't believe I got that one right. Oh my god. Okay, okay. How about Creatures for 200? Alright. <laughs> this is Creatures for 200. Responsible for one of the most common phobias, this creature is a thematic aspect of Vriska Circuit. What is a spider? Yeah, that's correct! What are spiders? <laughs> what are spiders? Okay. You can pick another category. Okay, I think um, there's only one category I haven't tried yet. So how about Beyond Homestuck for 200? This American political figure has been named by some as the Homestuck President. Uh, um, uh, this one I don't know. I'm gonna have to, uh, oh god, I can hear the Jeopardy music playing in my head in like 8-bit. Yeah, you got you, it's playing in Homestuck. <laughs> yeah, it's playing in Homestuck. Okay, going to have to take a guess here as the music comes to close. Who is... Ronald Reagan. Oh no, that is absolutely incorrect, Elizabeth. Ugh. You have lost Troll Jeopardy. I was doing so well. But that's okay, because the next time we play Troll Jeopardy, you'll be playing with the same board, and uh, you won't be starting from square one. And the thing about Troll Jeopardy is that when you finish all the whole board, you get a real-life prize that I will send to your house. <laughs> oh my gosh, really? Yeah. Elizabeth? Whenever you complete a Troll Jeopardy board, I am going to send you a piece of Homestuck merchandise. Oh my god. <laughs> this is not a joke, I'm going to do that. I promise, when I finish this board and Lizzie sends me this piece of Homestuck merch, I will take a picture of myself with it and post it, image described of course, on our blog. Because this is just too good. But yeah, unfortunately, Elizabeth, you did not win Troll Jeopardy today, which means that uh, you don't get a prize. But you know what you do get? What do I get? You get to read more Homestuck. Lucky me. Well, we'll see you next episode for more mini games. Maybe Troll Jeopardy, maybe not. But one thing's for sure, I will almost certainly lose. Yes. See you all at the other half of the podcast. Do you remember, I don't remember if it was last episode or the episode before that, but there was a point where you said you only like John where he smiles. Yes. And there were a couple of panels in this batch of pages we read where John did a lot of smiling and he did a lot of like expressiveness and he was very cute. What did you think of that? I loved it. It turns out that I also like John when he's frowning and shaking his head really hard. <laughs> yeah, that's really cute. I like expressive John. It's just like he seems like he's he's more relatable. He's very cute when he just like emotes. So yeah, big fan of that. He did frown a lot and like shake his head at the voice that's telling him pretty much what to do and we actually did see who is the narr- I guess the narrator of Homestuck. We did get to see that today. Yeah, we did. How would you describe this creature that is typing into this little computer? Sort of amorphous black figure with like little white 
eyes and who seems to be like wrapped in bandages of some sort. We saw them twice. We saw them once at the beginning of Act 2 and then again halfway through, which, yeah, as we talked about last time, adds this weird other meta level to the story that I'm not really sure where, where that'll go. I know it said that this is years in the future, but I think it said, but not too many. So this figure, whoever it is, this narrator um, who's like telling John to do stuff now, is apparently reaching back into the past to do so. I will say that this character that was just introduced, we don't know their name yet, and they have a couple of names in the narrative, but the name that people usually call them by won't come up for a while, but this is one of my favorite characters. Oh, really? Oh, now I'm excited. Oh, so, so sweet. I mean, like, not really sweet, but <laughs> it's, it's just very cute what happens later. Oh, I'm looking forward to meeting them on more than a cursory basis. Yeah, they, they seem interesting for sure, and John doesn't seem to like what they tell him to do a lot. He isn't super pleased, but they do seem a little insistent, and he's panicking a little bit, understandably. It is kind of telling that John has these commands we can only assume pumped into his brain. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like there's like an auditory, there's no megaphone that this figure is sending into the past to speak to John, they're just typing in these commands. And I, I guess the what John is experiencing on the other end is like a, a text-to-speech voice, I guess, but in his head of these commands. If I was John in this position, I wouldn't be super open to that either, in John's defense. No, it, it seems a little like intrusive thoughts at the moment. So he may not even be aware that it's an actual person speaking to him, which is unsurprising. Uh, So I really can't blame him for not really wanting to listen. Exactly. We didn't see that creature typing into anything to control Dave or Rose, though. Yet. It's still out to see what's going on with those two, because they still have these commands. Then again, neither of them have activated all their spurb stuff. Neither of them have been transported into, like, a void realm yet. So we'll see. Oh, right. We haven't talked about the void realm. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about the void realm, which we read this. And again, we haven't read Homestuck since we finished recording episode three of the podcast, which we recorded uh, I guess about a month before we posted the first episode. It's been a while. So Elizabeth hasn't read Homestuck with me in a long time. So when all of the dust settled and she, I guess she's been anticipating seeing what's going to happen next because, you know, she didn't know if John exploded or not. And then Elizabeth, what were, what were your reactions to seeing that John now lives in this weird void? I was disturbed, concerned, definitely, whatever I was expecting. I think it wasn't that. I don't, I don't know. He seems both less worried and more worried than he should be, honestly, because he's just sort of, I mean, he's been in this state of constant panic for most of what we've read so far. And and that's a lesson to everyone. Don't panic as if you've been transported into an unknown void realm until you actually have, because then there will be nowhere to go. I guess I wasn't expecting that, and I had this, I guess, visceral emotional reaction to he's there by himself, and there doesn't seem to be anything else there, and his dad's gone. The only connection he has with anyone else is the pester logs, and he's he's so concerned he went all through the house looking for his dad. I'm just like, I, he needs a hug. John needs a hug. I, I do have to ask, what were you expecting after all that time? God, honestly, I have no idea. 
like I hadn't been actively theorizing. And, and I knew that John wasn't going to like actually die because he is the main character and stuff. I guess I had imagined, I was going to say some sort of weird time shenanigans. We did get that a little bit, to be fair, but also some sort of protective bubble from the tree and the apple. Something, something like that, not the wholesale transportation of only his house on this little tiny crag of land into an unknowable, cloudy void. Yeah, it's kind of scary to look at. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. Especially, especially since he, he knocked the car into the void. He did not. And then it's like, well, how the fuck is he supposed to get that out? He did not knock the car into the void, to be fair to John. Rose tried to lift it to him, and then she lost connection. It wasn't his fault. I, I guess that's correct. Yeah, it's a little things just tumbling into the void is like, mm, that's fun. Don't eat anything else out of your Silidex, John, because it will be lost forever. Or maybe not, if Gigi is to be believed. I think my I think my favorite line in relation to this situation that John has been put in is that there there was a, a past pester log that Rose and Dave had together where they were being all like really sarcastic to each other. And Dave said something along the lines of if John's life is on the line if me playing this game will save John's life, then I guess I'll do it. Yeah, let me see. I don't I don't even remember if it was specifically John's life or if it was actually Rose's life that he said he would save. It was somebody's life. Yeah, now it's on Dave, just as he, he predicted, which is that sort of retconning foreshadowing jam that I actually really like that's that I've I've seen in in other media, and that kind of, then you go back and you put stuff that we now know is foreshadowing, and I still haven't come up with a good word for it, but I like that narrative technique. And as as I've said before, there's so much of that in Homestuck. Like, me, me reading Homestuck again as somebody who knows what happens later in Homestuck. Elizabeth, cover your ears, cover your ears. <laughs> Actually, you won't, you won't know what this is, but the fact that Dave's internet browser is named Hephaestus is crazy to me. I That popped up, and like the little picture popped up, and I was like, oh shit, <laughs> because that, that does not pop up again for a, an absurd amount of time. But I was reading it, and I was like, oh my god, I can't believe. And, and again, yeah, I have no idea what that is yet. I'm sure I will at some point. But right, it isn't even quite foreshadowing. It should be interesting because it sounds like there's going to be a quite a lot of it. So we did see a lot more of Rose's mother and her relationship with Rose. I want to ask you, do you think that Rose and her mom's relationship is insincerity? Or is it ironic? Oh, that's tricky. Because the thing is, it feels a little bit like everything about Rose is ironic. But also, the thing is, she as a character is almost so blown out of proportion in every way that it's hard to tell what's real and what's not. Within the narrative bounds of the story, she literally lives in like this mansion and her mom literally built this mausoleum for her cat and framed the her the drawing she made of the cat with like a $15,000 frame and all of this actually happened. But then Rose is also so sarcastic and so pretentious that it's just like that. I think I take it at face value. It's just weird <laughs> is what I'm gonna say. They do have this weird relationship where they're they're constantly one-upping each other. But I do I do kind of want to bring it to your attention. There are points that are a little bit suspicious. They weren't suspicious to me at first, but then they, you know, as time went on, it's more suspicious. But there's a part where Rose... First off, Rose got her mom a vacuum for, like, Christmas or something. Which is kind of shitty, Rose. Come on. 
Oh, and by the way, the vacuum has a cup holder so that she can put alcoholic beverages in it, which is a big sting to her mom in a in a Christmas present. Yeah, definite burn. Her her mother love loves this present so much that she gets it bronzed. <laughs> but she she bronzes it in a way apparently that it's still a functional vacuum. But she's put it on this pedestal. Yes, but she doesn't use it. Well, she she says she doesn't use it, but Elizabeth, I do want to take your attention to the fact that Rose said that it stays on this pedestal and it's plugged in, but sometimes she can hear it vacuuming at night. Yes, I did notice that. It's very weird. And my question to you is, do you think Rose's mom is more sincere about this relationship than Rose herself is. Ah, mm, that's, that's tricky to say. I think it's hard to tell because we're seeing everything from Rose's perspective. We're hearing everything from Rose's perspective. We've talked at length about sort of the difference between the relationship between John and his dad and the relationship between Rose and, and her mom. The weird thing is that they're both similar to each other. John and his dad are similar, and Rose and her mom are kind of similar. <laughs> to what extent is Rose's mom's actions sarcastic, ironic, pretentious in the way that the actions of Rose herself are? To put it another way, I guess, to what extent do we need to examine Rose's actions under the same scrutiny that we need to examine her mom's actions? The thing is that Rose, again, is 13. Yes, that's the difference. The the shit she does is pretty typical of a 13-year-old interacting with her mother. But her mother is a grown-ass adult and is also a single mother that is also an alcoholic? Yeah, so so that's sort of the difference there. That isn't great. There's just a really interesting set of family relationships that have been established so far, especially since the third one we've seen is Dave and his brother, who all three of the family members of the main characters have this obsession with one particular thing that's found everywhere in their house, and that is kind of creepy. <laughs> uh, this is pretty creepy with Dave's brothers being this, uh, these marionettes, these puppets, one of which is hanging in the shower, which I didn't like that. But Dave's relationship with his brother seems to be different from John and Rose's relationships with their parents. It's clear he admires his brother. He thinks his brother is so cool, which, you know, that tracks when you're, I mean, I was gonna say when you're 13 and you have older siblings, you probably admire them a lot. I wouldn't know. I'm an oldest sibling, an oldest cousin. I have no older, even sibling-like figures to compare it to. As a younger sister, me as a younger sister. Right. I, I have authority on this topic. And let me tell you, if I somehow ended up in a situation where I was 13 and I lived alone with my older brother, I'd say it would be very similar to this, except for the fact that my brother wouldn't be obsessed with puppets, because that's really fucking creepy. He'd probably just have a lot of, like, One Piece memorabilia, is what I would say. Dave seems to trust his brother. When you're the younger sibling, you do a lot of looking up to your older sibling, it, it's about it's about 70% admiration and 30% I will cut you where you stand. <laughs> yeah, that tracks. Sorry. Sorry again. Wow, this is this is an episode where I'm just calling out my brother every five seconds. Sorry, Max. <laughs> yeah, we both talked about our, our brothers a bit this episode, but you much more than me. Their relationship, they're still like that. Dave's a little nervous about taking his brother's game because his brother's going to be mad, but I think that's that's not the same kind of worry that Rose has about her mom. It's just like, oh shit, if I do this, my brother's going to be mad at me, but okay, yeah, it's fine. If you take your sibling's stuff, they're going to get mad, which, so I would say I tentatively trust Dave's brother, but don't hold me to that. Yeah. Let's let's see how you feel about that when 
when more puppets come into play. Yeah, I don't like the puppet thing, but... Elizabeth, we haven't even seen half of the puppets that Dave's brother owns. Oh god, that's a terrifying thought. Dave, the fixation that Dave's brother has is... It's really bad. It's it's very, very disturbing. But another, the other guardian that has the most disturbing um, fixation, because like, De- John's dad, the Harlequins, I mean, I guess that's, everybody has, like, my mom's really into cows. <laughs> Rose's, Rose's mom's love of wizards, I complete again, I completely understand that. The alcoholism thing, I don't understand. Might need to go to AA for that. The wizards, totally into. Love it. Love it. I worry about you, Lizzie. Someday I'm going to visit you and I'm going to walk into your house and there's just going to be wizards everywhere. It's going to be, it's going to be wizards and bones. That's the only thing you're going to find in my apartment. Yup. (laughs) Terrifying. But go on. But Gigi's grandfather, whom we heard one specific thing about today, Gigi's grandfather has a fixation that is probably tie. I it's 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 neck and neck with Dave's brother's fixation with puppets for the worst thing you could be fixated to because John and Rose's parents. You know, they have some, like, odd things that they're into, but they're, like, completely understandable and completely safe for work. But the others, the other two, no. Nuh-uh. Get those children away from that. Lizzie, are you implying that puppets are not safe for work? Um, Elizabeth, I'm- I- puppets are safe for work. The puppets that Dave's brother owns aren't. Right. Okay, that's concerning. We haven't seen them yet? Uh, Elizabeth, okay, okay. I'm I'm contemplating if I want to tell you the name of the puppet. And I'm not, it, it, people who are listening, I'm not talking about that puppet. I'm talking about the other ones. Elizabeth, do you mind a minor spoiler just so I could go prove it. to you how bad this is? Please, just go for it. The puppets are called Smuppets. They're what? They're, they're called Smuppets. I don't like that. No? Yeah, they're called Smuppets, and Elizabeth, they have very plush asses. Hey, Lizzie, that was a terrible thing you just said. No, 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 Elizabeth, I'm not- those are not my words, those are Andrew Hussey's words. Bad. That's bad. It's- it's it's something you should not have next to- like, in the same house as a 13-year-old. No, not at all don't like that. No, I really hate that. I really hate that. Ugh. Yeah, well, I get to look forward to that. To the Smuppets, yes, with their plush asses. I will, I'm going to ask you this once, and that is, I would very much like if you never said that sentence ever again. Oh, what sentence were you talking about? Can you say it so I know not to say it again? No, no. You're not tricking me into saying that. I'm, I, I refuse to let those specific words pass my lips. I, I respect that because I also don't want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> and yet you did. Okay, I kind of wanted to say it a little bit, but I will respect your wishes for me not to say it a second time <laughs> because I value your friendship. I value your friendship too enough so that I can look past that you did say it once. All right, everybody, that is all of the homestuck we have for today. We read pages 248 to 388 today. And you can read all of homestuck at homestuck.com. If you need an accessible version, go to Look How Sane on Tumblr. We have the original webcomic linked, and we also have a version with image descriptions and the audiobook version. Again, that's Look How Sane. And if you have any questions or anything you want to say to us, I run the Twitter account at how underscore sane. You can, you can feel free to send any spoiler questions over that way because I run that and Elizabeth does not. The Tumblr Elizabeth also sees, so just keep that in mind if you want to send spoilers to us. You can at us if you have any questions or any suggestions for things to show up in the minigames. 
And uh, remember, all of our transcriptions for this podcast can be found on our Tumblr as well. Elizabeth does write all those transcriptions. Uh, Yes, I do. Thanks to John Michael, my brother, this episode sponsored by Brothers of Elizabeths for writing the theme music, as always. Remember to uh, rate and review us on iTunes because we're on there now. Thanks again to everyone who has followed us on all of our various social media platforms. Thanks again to the podcast Zenkai Boost for that good thing that you did. Thanks. Thanks, Max. Yes. (laughs) We appreciate it. And until next episode, remember, Riska did nothing wrong. Uh, Elizabeth, I hope you know that that's a sarcastic thing that people say. Bye, everyone.